0: I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Jules, I'd love to say we have a packed show, but guess what? It's international break. There's yeah. been no games yet. There's still stuff to talk about. There's of still course. big stories. Um, obviously, Barcelona, a uh, big, big boost for them. The Newsom prosecutor will be getting into that. Yeah. We'll be looking at Conte. Uh, we'll be talking about the, the, the French captain's armband, which is why you wear the shirt. Uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> the shirt. Game. Uh, however, uh, we have to start with the Manchester United sale. Now, where we are right now yeah. is supposedly, as we record this on a Thursday morning, Qataris, the two main bidders, the Qataris and Ratcliffe, are going to submit their bids. The yeah. Financial Times reporting the yesterday. Their second bids, yeah. Their, their second bids. Uh, the, the Financial Times reporting that Sir Jim Ratcliffe had gone up to a £5 billion pound bid. Supposedly, the Glazers value united at £6 billion. Um, presumably the Qatari's have a comparable bid. Um, the, but there's a weird, odd twist in this. <laughs> in that they said that they submitted their bids on Wednesday. And we say they said, it's not like Sir Jim Ratcliffe say, says, right? These people hire servants, PR servants, to go and talk to people. When you see stuff in the news, it's because there's hired guns, usually our former colleagues or mm-hmm. other people come from the world of PR, who go and say, oh, this is what Sir Jim is doing. Do so they tell everybody that they've submitted their bid? The Qataris say that they've submitted their bid. Yeah, and then Rain, who is the company in New York that's supposed to handle the sale on behalf of the Glazer, says, "Oh no, they didn't submit their bids. They asked for an extension, and then supposedly they're going to submit their bids today." I The the, the, confusion so weird and cack handed.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a good look on the sale of maybe the biggest club in the world, one of the biggest with Real Madrid. It's just, I'm not sure it reflects good, whatever is true. I mean, someone is lying anyway. Um, On Sergin Ratcliffe on maybe the Qataris if you really want the club and you can go up to five billion if you can't you just say like there will be no second offers I just won and that's it if you can why why waiting a bit longer why needing an extension but as you said when you prepare when we're preparing for the show the deadline that was set on Wednesday night is not really an official deadline as in like if he's not by then then it's over kind of deadline. yeah
0: and obviously Sir Jim Ratcliffe has history with like ignoring deadlines and rain altogether I you know, it's funny, you, you may use the word like who's, who's lying, who's screwed up here. Normally when you have people misdirecting, it's because they gain an advantage somehow, right? Yeah. Um, in this case, I don't see how anybody gains an advantage. So I don't see how anybody... I, it's, it's more like if there was a screw-up. People called it farce. It's a farce by incompetence and because somebody screwed up. Yeah. Whether Rain screwed up, whether... It would have to be, on the other side, it would have to be the Qataris and Sir Jim both screwing up at the same time saying they'd lodged the bid and Rain saying, no, you didn't. Um, nobody gains an advantage from this. No. It's not like they get more time. Yeah, they get an extra 24 hours. I mean, but it's like no, it's what difference does that make for a final exam on a <laughs> bid like this. <laughs> no. right? So um, I, I presume the mystery will be solved. But what we do know is these bids will come in. Yeah. And this is why I cannot emphasize this enough. All these people I know. Look, we're in the media business. We generate content going on about the deadline. That rain as a deadline. It's a firm. You know, this is not like Roman Abramovich selling Chelsea, where the government said, "All right, you got to sort this out." The Glazers can sell. They cannot sell. Exactly. The Glazers can buy out their siblings, and the Glazers can take on more debt. The Glazers can get minority investment. They don't. Yeah. Have, they 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 can sit on the rear side on the rear ends so and do
1: nothing. Exactly. So these deadlines. Don't really mean anything. No, and I think that whatever happens in this process, I think the door will always be open from the glazer. If anybody wants to come in six months' time or eight let's say they don't sell, with a bigger offer, with a consortium that can get up to six billion by, with multiple investors, not just searching rightly for Ineos or just the cheque from Qatar then they will still be listening, I'm sure. You know, right. and that's, that's, that's the thing in here. Now that we're hearing that, yeah, maybe they, they never were that keen of selling, certainly some of the siblings. Uh, we know that Sir Jim wants the 69% that the Glazer own, which is not the full 100%. Right. Maybe he needs someone else investing with yeah. him for the remaining, for the rest of the, of the shares. The Qataris will go for the whole 100%, debt-free, etc., etc. Maybe you need, maybe the, even the Qataris need somebody else to come with them. I,
0: I don't know. They want six billion, yeah. Uh, supposedly six billion pounds, which is six and a half, maybe maybe cl- closer to, to, to seven billion dollars. Yeah, um, that would be what nearly twice the most expensive sports franchise ever sold.
1: Yeah, you're right. The Denver Broncos last year, last year for three point six billion pounds, I think it was, and. I mean, 6 billion, just to go back to your point about even the richest of the richest don't, I mean, this is a lot of money, 6 billion and, for a
0: football team. Well, the other thing is in this climate, and you have a situation where obviously there's, there's essentially, there's a global recession and there's high inflation, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's, And they're raising interest rates. So that means that if you're going to borrow money to finance your bid, it's difficult to do because it it makes it even more, more expensive, expensive, right? Exactly. Um, and also because there's less money sloshing around, uh, there's less people who are saying like, "Oh, look, I have an extra you know, half billion lying yeah, around. Let me join Sir Jim." Right? Exactly. Uh, these are a lot of dynamics that people don't always understand, and it's and it's the same thing. Like I said, with the Qataris, with the Saudis, with so on. Yeah, these people have a lot of assets. Yeah. But a rich person doesn't just sit on his, on his cash, he invests it yeah, in different yeah, exactly. types of, of assets, some of which are more liquid, some of which are less liquid. And many times if you have to sell an asset to raise money to buy another asset, like say Manchester United, you might not want to do it now because there's a recession and the value of your asset might be less than it Absolutely. was before, right? So you don't want to take a loss on that. And that's so, why
1: I think it was interesting to hear Sir Jim Ratcliffe in his interview, I think with the New York Times, he did on maybe Tuesday, saying like he would not overpay for something, he didn't mention Manchester United per right. se, but he said like, we can't, we can't overspend just because someone set a price. And if it sounded like you want the six billion, there's no way I would pay six billion for something I don't believe is worth that. Right. And he was saying clearly, I'm, I'm happy to pay what I think is worth the price for something I want. But, and I don't, I, I think if you really want the six billion and maybe the six billion is to get five or five and a half and they might be happy in the end. But if really they won the six, I don't think they would get it.
0: And I think establishing what something is worth, it's pretty remarkable because you get a whole range of of calculations and valuations, right? When Chelsea were sold and that was a forced sale, I spoke to a number of people who do this stuff and they said, Oh well, a fair price for Chelsea given they need investment in the stadium and you know they Abramovich lost what, a million a week over the Uh, he says, like, I think, you know, it should be something like most people are saying it should be maybe $1.5 right? And instead it went to 2.5. Yeah. I spoke to somebody else who has bought and sold a football club and whose business is financing sales of football clubs and says, oh, the real value should have been, like, $3.5 And it would have been that if the government hadn't forced a sale, if there could have been, like, a normal auction yeah, and whatever. Yeah, beating and stuff. Uh, that's why, for me... Um, when people always bring up like the the Forbes list, like these are the worlds, like they have no idea. They're, they're, this is like serious finger in the air stuff. It becomes real yeah. when stuff actually gets sold, yeah. right? That's when it becomes. real. And it's so difficult to assess the actual the actual value, and different people have different priorities and so on. So I think this is why it's taking time. This is why there's a lot of uncertainty. I want to ask you a little bit more about Jim Ratcliffe because. It seems among certain United fans, right? Oh, Qatari's is good because they're, they have access to unlimited funds, which means we'll never be cash-strapped and we won't have debt and whatever. Yeah. Ratcliffe good because, you know, he's a local Manchester of course, boy, course, yeah. are good. Um, what's Ratcliffe... Well, two things. One is we know Ratcliffe's been invi- obviously heavily involved in, in uh, cycling. Yeah. What's Ratcliffe been like as an owner of,
1: of Nice? It's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, he, he also owns Lausanne in Switzerland that's not been doing well and the, the decisions that he, not directly, Sergin Ratcliffe, but the people that he put in place there have taken, haven't haven't worked out yet. And it's, in a way, a little bit similar with Nice in the sense that I think they, they have done some really good things uh, in the scouting and recruitment to go for young players, clearly with the idea of... Having a young team with a lot of energy that can bring you success, even if that opens the door for bigger clubs to come and then push those players. So, is that like Ross Barkley and Ramsey, these guys? No, 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 this no, 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 is the young Let me come to that. Because I think the most important is the, the, the policy of young players, like Efren Turam, for example, right. uh, or Todibo, those kind of guys. Um, great. I think he started well. They went and got Galtier, for example, who, again, I think for a club like Nice, is good. Uh, after after Patrick Vieira was was sacked, um, so y- you could see what they were doing, and I think that was quite promising. And then at, somehow it changed. It changed. They went to get Lucien Favre as a manager, which was a huge mistake. Because even yeah, you can think that he was at the club before under previous ownership, did really well. It just never, it would have never worked with this the squad that they were building and this kind of new younger policy. Right. That was the
0: wrong choice. Lucien Favre, perhaps for those who are maybe not familiar with him, would it be fair to say they hope that he would kind of be a poor man's Ancelotti in terms of man yeah. manager, smart, pragmatic? But everybody stuck, likes stuck him.
1: twenty years ago, which right. I think Carlo has evolved with right. his time, it'd like Sir Alex Favre, as good as he is, is still like he was twenty years right. ago. And then Sir Dev Brightsford, who was very good in cycling, obviously, and had a lot of success there. Uh, time getting involved in Nice becoming this like official sporting director type of guy and that's when I think I had, I had serious question marks about what is Jim Ratcliffe doing really because why would you trust in Dave Briceford who knows nothing about football to go and run a club like Nice so hence then the Aaron Ramsey Roy so, Barkley <laughs> Kasper Schmeichel all those I, weird signing from the Premier League
0: so just some context on, on Dave Balesford, for, for those who don't know, he was, cycling used to be a thing that people in Britain didn't really get, right, uh, until maybe 15, 20 years ago, right? I mean, yeah. you know, They were always rubbish. Or there were a couple of Scottish guys who were good in, like, the 80s, right? Yeah. Uh, and then generally, right, cycling, you know, leave it to the French, the Belgians, the Italians, the yeah. Spaniards, maybe the odd Colombian and whatever, right? Yeah, but yeah. you guys yeah you know stick to something else right stick to speedway and then all of a sudden they all got really really good and dave Brailsford was seen as some kind of sporting guru everything actually yeah and masterminding, became, all of that yeah the whole idea of marginal gains yeah. and stuff like that and like letting them bring their own pillows and sheets and having hand sanitizer so that they wouldn't you know catch a flu all this stuff then it got a little bit hairy right because yeah. some people got into some trouble yeah, I don't know the exact ins and outs because I don't follow cycling because I've
1: lost interest in a long time ago. Yeah, I, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think in the sky, and even when Ineos took over Sky as the uh, the cycling cycling the, the cycling road team, uh, they suddenly had to answer. Let's put it that way: a lot of questions about doping and performance rumors. enhancing drugs. Yeah, allegations and things like that, and they, I think. They've been kind of okay with the outcome of it. Certainly Sir Dave Braceford, but um, he left cycling really quickly to well, start Was somebody accusing
0: them that they had like a little engine in one of their... Yeah, Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> That's the right.
1: They're not the only ones, by the way. Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's cycling. Mechanical doping. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have much faith in Mechanical anything doping. in that sport. But anyway, sorry, I, I jumped in there just to give people some context. This guy David yeah, was, yeah. Highly, was highly respected. Maybe exactly. tarnished a little bit,
1: but still yeah. a very smart guy. I know people worked for them, him, you know, super, smart, super smart. And then Sergio Ratcliffe said, hey, why are you? Why don't you come and become this Ineos head of sports? Basically, right. uh, because Ineos are involved in a lot of sports, from sailing to Formula One to football to cycling, all of that. So that was his role. But then he took, I think, Clearly a lot of enjoyment by being involved in the football side of Ineos, especially at Nice, where he spent all his time. He was uh, on the Friday where Sir Jim Ratcliffe visited Manchester. He was with him, so I w- that makes me think that he wants to get heavily involved in the United process and maybe United if Sir Jim Radcliffe you know, wins, wins and, and buys the club. And again, I'm sorry. But you remember when Clive Woodward, so England won the Rugby yeah. World Cup in 2003, then Clive Woodward be- became this guy where any sport would call him and say, hey, why don't you come and have a an audit or help us right. try to find... It just doesn't work like this. And I, for me, Brailsford at Nice has done more bad things than good things. Yeah,
0: this, I, I mean, this is a fascinating topic, the idea of the transferability of from one sport to another, yeah. like the winning mentality. If you're an organisation guy, can you work across it? Um, there's There have been some successes. I'm thinking of, you know, Julio Velasco, who he was a volleyball coach from Argentina, very successful in Argentina, and in Italy, he then moved into football at Lazio in their heyday, did, you know, did some very, very good things there. But it's really difficult to do. Yeah. And then as a layperson, if you're Brailsford and you're the genius marginal gains, I'm thinking, what's the marginal gains with Aaron Ramsey, who hasn't? You know who's hardly kicked a ball in club football in two years. You know, Ross Barkley was a big gamble, yeah. Schmeichel didn't quite work out either, right? At
1: the beginning, nice, but Ramsey has been really good lately, but yeah, you're right. And hey. they changed manager because they realized Favre was the wrong appointment, and they went with Didier Diga, who was the assistant coach, reserve coach previously. And this is working out really well now, but this is this is a key time, and so- just to finish on Rightcliffe. I think people in France and Nice fans don't really, and maybe because it's, we don't know if he's going to buy United. So if he doesn't buy United, if you're right. a Nice fan, you're, it's okay. It's still your main, his main club. But what does that mean for Nice if Radcliffe buys United? Because since he bought Nice, He's been like, I want this club to go into the Champions League. I want this club to compete with PSG and Lyon and Marseille, Monaco, blah, 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 blah. I want this club to go and win titles and I'm going to invest for it. I'm going to work hard for it, etc. If you buy United, where is your focus? You can't have the two clubs in the Champions League. It's, it becomes more worrying, well, I think.
0: I, and this is, this is my other question about again, for those who don't follow Legan, right? But from the outside, it would seem okay. You've got Paris Saint-Germain who outspend everybody else and whatever but france are, are getting four champions league spots right so mm-hmm. you've got three other slots there you have marseille who is a legit you know historical giant but they've got but serious budgetary restrictions and they're yep. kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors you have monaco who always have to do it by being creative with a young player here yep. and there and the money whatever you know nice is a big city fantastic stadium yeah uh, there's money in that part of France, yeah, uh, I would have thought, you say, all right, let's chuck in, let's make a serious investment, let's go to the next level so that maybe we can't compete with Paris Saint-Germain, but we can certainly compete with Marseille, and we are, you know, we, we can really make a run for number two, and then if Paris Saint-Germain falter, yeah, maybe yeah, we yeah. go to number one. Instead, in France, what do we have? We have Lille on a shoestring year after year, right? They're up there, they're competing. We have loans even more so. You know, they're only getting promoted what three years ago, something like that, yeah. right? They're up near the top. I, if this is going to be his approach, that it's going to be organic growth, I wonder how that goes down at Manchester United
1: because has it has to be different, don't you think? You can't, so it has to be heavier investment yeah, at Manchester United, surely. You and I think they know that they must. I don't know how much money they would allow or make available for transfers in the summer if they buy the club. But you would think that you can't. It's a different. It's a different world, really. You know, he's invested a lot. I think overall since he took over, I think he's two hundred million euros in, in transfer. In, you know, in recruitment, which is great. But that would that would buy you one Harry Kane and <laughs> yeah, a couple of a, like young players, maybe. Yeah. I, I think you United. need you need
0: to look what is it as a proportion of club revenue that he's willing yeah. to put in. I think that's and obviously United's revenues are a lot higher than Nisa's. Um, what impact do we think this is having on Ten Hag, on the club? You know, if this uncertainty drags on into the summer, do we think it's going to have a negative impact on recruitment, or is it will have no impact?
1: We mentioned the deadline before, and of course, you, you're right. The deadline is like it's really a fictive deadline. Let's call it that way. However, there's a point where you need to know who's in charge in the summer because, as you said, that will impact naturally the transfer policy. If the Glazers are still there, but the sale is still the process is still going on, the Glazers are not going to spend hundreds hundred of millions on new players if they're still thinking about selling the club. Why would they put their own money when the club is about to change hands? For example, right? Well, they could simply take on debt,
0: which obviously would affect the price at the other yeah. end. Yeah. But again, um,
1: that would be complicated in a way.
0: It's interesting because we had a lot of reports: Mark Ogden and Dawson and others saying, "Well, the club spent their money last summer. They're not going to spend." This is assuming the Glazers stay, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to try to grow with what they have this coming summer. Um, who knows? I mean, clubs say a lot of things, right? <laughs> uh, and then they change their mind and whatever. Maybe Ten Hag might say, "Well, mate, now help me out more." I should. Yeah, you yeah. Job. Um But it. it it can have an impact, I think, I think that way. Uh, that said, that'll be offset by the fact that they're going to be in the, you know, I think so. I presume they'll be in the Champions League yeah. next year. Um, they'll have, I think, newfound enthusiasm. They've won one trophy. You know, they're, they're competing for two others. They can yeah. win one of those. So I, th- I think you will get an uplift in the summer, but there's no question that this could impact their plans this
1: summer. And Unless there's a new owner, and then you, without having a Chelsea, body body crazy right. summer spree or, or like a Newcastle one that was low, lower key if you want, maybe in, in between or whatever, but usually a new owner comes in with like, you, you want to look good with the fans, right. with your manager and you start spending money to have, to give the manager the recruitment that he wants. So maybe in that case, it would be better if you're a United fan to see a new owner coming in, unless the Glazer says, we're staying, and we're investing in the stadium, in the training ground and in the squads. And they make that clear. So it'll be interesting to see. Oh, interesting. United need help in midfield. So maybe we'll see Aaron Ramsey
0: back in the <laughs> Premier League. How about that? All right, enough United jewels. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Now it's been five days since Antonio oh, Conte's accused his players of being selfish and reminded everyone of Spurs' perpetual underachievement under these yeah. owners, winning close to nothing. I think they did win a League Cup of the year. Of yeah, the year. Juan but De still. Vamos. Oh yeah, wow. Um, now, despite all this, yeah. he hasn't been sacked yet. He's still there. He's still there. And
1: no, people are like, oh, they're discussing his compensation. Like as we said, nonsense. Well, right, no, they might, three months. Yeah, but they might say to you, listen, you the way you talked about the club is unacceptable. We not we're not going to pay you off the, your remaining wages. But instead, let's find an agreement somewhere. You know, and lawyers are getting involved, which, as you know, because you hate them, it's never <laughs> easy when lawyers start uh, getting involved. So, I, I really don't think he will be there when the Premier League comes back. I have to be honest. I think Ryan Mason would be in charge. Uh, I think even if he remains he still has some support from some players in that dressing room like Kulusevsky I think he's got his boys there I think overall there's a fracture between him and the dressing room and there certainly there must be wow. a fracture between him and Daniel Levy Joe Lewis, people in, in, in that board Fabio Paratici God, yeah, yeah. Imagine. Uh, Now, okay I'm
0: not a lawyer, right? As I understand it they can find some clause in his contract and say, this is gross misconduct. This entitles us to sack you yeah. immediately without thing. You do that, you go to lawyers for months. Yeah. And long the process. amount of money that's involved here to what? To save $4 million? Yes. Yeah, um, like which is what you'd pay him. And in the end, it's going to come down to somewhere in between. I don't know that you need to negotiate and create more instability and sort of stop Brian Mason from getting to work. Uh for that amount of money. Yeah. And what you said about the dressing room, it's interesting. We we touched upon this before. I'm just going to go over this again, right? Who are the leaders in the dressing room? Harry Kane has said nothing. Yeah. But we do know that Harry Kane is... Harry Kane's been pretty close to Conte, right? Uh Throughout his tenure. I think Harry Kane's like... I'm assuming Harry Kane's discussion is like, he's not, certainly not talking about me. Exactly. I
1: was going to say that. So, what do I care? Yeah.
0: yeah. Eric Dyer is basically Conte's adopted son. Yeah, right. He told us he was the reincarnation of Maldini. So, you know. So, those two guys are probably the two most important players in the Spurs dressing room in terms of leadership. I think they're two best players. Two other guys I would have thought are important are one, Hugo Lloris, not talking about him because he's injured, he's not there, right? Uh, And the other one I would have thought in midfield. Hoiberg, who has spoken out, yeah. and he's taken, I think, more of a tentative line. He says, look, I get it. You're unhappy. We've let you down. Please tell me exactly what we've done. Yeah, be more precise. Done, right? Be like, more precise, right? I mean, it was pretty, pretty clear still. So I think we can say Hoiberg did not like being lumped in with the others, right? Yeah. Although it is, it was Hoiberg who missed the tackle on the way to the goal? Who knows, right? But who else matters in the dressing room? Who else has any weight? And I always go to this point, right? When people bring up, you know, Chelsea back in the days,
1: it was Terry and Lampard, who else has that, that weight? It's not so much even that, Gav. I think it's just like, you can't have a toxic atmosphere, tension between a dressing room, players who feel like, you know, he, the way he talked, the way he behaves, because it's, they need top four, right? I think if yeah. they don't get top four, as well as, as not having a manager, it, can you just imagine? So, I. I can see why It's not an easy decision to take In a way Although it looks easy Maybe on paper Harry Redknapp Who hasn't managed in 6 years And is 76 years old He's supposedly available To return to Spurs If they need him God just, you know, just to finish the season, should we consider him as an option? No, I love
0: the fact that, you know, he's willing to uh, leave his uh, mansion in Sandbanks and come back. But no, 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 Please. no, no. Please. The, the names out there, it's such a grab bag that suggests to me they haven't thought about it, right? I'm just going to read out the names. Uh, you, we don't need to react to them, but it's Pochettino, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Oliver Glasner, who I feel like they watched some like they on
1: television. I mean, they played against him, at least in the Champions League. Yeah, so exactly, they, they, it was, right?
0: It was there. Luis Enrique, who I think can hold out for a bigger job. No disrespect to Spurs. Yeah. Uh, also, not the easiest guy to deal with. Thomas Tuchel, Same. not the easiest guy to deal Same. with. Uh, did De Zerbi, the guy just got a new job? I yeah. don't know. And Vostokoglu, I'd love because uh, I love Big Ange. love that. Uh, And Thomas Frank. and I mean, Just signed a new deal, so good luck by getting exactly. the Exactly. So I think they're going to take their time to think about this one. Brazil play Morocco in a friendly on Sunday, which means that the players get asked their thoughts on the next national team manager, since they only have an interim oh. one right now. And they bat their eyelids at Carlo Ancelotti. Jules, I think you and I both like this idea, so yes. I'll ask you this instead: How likely is it that he will not return for a third season as Real Madrid boss because he gets sacked?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the most likely outcome of the season gap. Uh, it wouldn't be a reflection on, on his time there on this spell because obviously he had he was there before too i just think that if everything that we hear you but you can see that it looks like the end of his of his cycle of this cycle and then they start again uh comes the summer with someone else in charge new one in charge and i think they will say thank you so much for everything you've done not just this spell the one before all yeah. of that, it was great, but it's just time to move on. And I'll tell you what,
0: if he wins that, much as I love him, if he wins the Champions League and he wins again, the yeah. Copa del Rega, that shouldn't change your decision. If you decide yeah, yeah, you are rebuilding, right. going in a different direction, you yeah, rebuild. Exactly.
1: And Gab, if Carlito does go, the range of replacement that have been mentioned is, again, very interesting. Young former Madridistas like Raul Xabi Alonso, Pochettino, of course, Zidane returning for the third time, and Thomas Tuchel, what does that tell you? it tells
0: me that I don't think Florentino's really thought about it or if he has he's keeping it very very close to his chest Chabi Alonso would be interesting I think would be a huge departure in terms of playing style I'm not quite sure he's ready for a job that size Raul in-house safe pair hand solution cheaper solution Poch I think on paper maybe the best solution Zidane no, Obviously, I, that would be a continuation of where you are. Yeah. Good news and bad news for Barcelona, Jules. Let's get the bad news yeah. out of the way. They're still not compliant with La Liga's cost controls, and after a very complicated legal dispute we don't need to get into, court has ruled that a clause saying Gavi can leave as a free agent in June comes back into effect. How concerned should they be?
1: I'm very concerned, obviously, because that opens. Well, the not door. about Gavi
0: leaving. It's well, you leaving.
1: never know. No, you don't think so. And that's that's my my point was coming. Right. Like, I think they should be concerned because this clause is valid, and you never know what can happen. Not too concerned either, because uh, you know how much he loves this club. When he arrived, obviously, quite young, he's not he's not a Barcelona, he's not a Catalan kid, but still, he would feel like home. To of be fair. Course. And, and I think he's, he's very attached to Chavi to what the club is doing. He's a huge part in this current process. So you don't think that he would want to leave and, I don't know, come to Liverpool or Manchester no. City or that kind of club. However, what is I think more worrying gavi is they can't even register his new number and a new contract because they don't have the money. So for all the talks of who they're going to recruit, and we will talk about A players only that might be coming in the next few quick hits. That has to be a worry. What, yeah. How you need to find the money somewhere? I is it by selling to <laughs> Fati, or someone like that to be able to keep Gavi, to sign new players, maybe even Messi or stuff like that? I don't know. Yeah. So
0: Matteo Alemanni, the sporting director, said, "Well, you know, we're halfway there. When when we get the Griezmann money and GRP's yeah, they will get, but they still have other issues. There's a report the other day: Jordi Alba's owed 33 million next year in deferred payments and and stuff like that. Yeah, Uh this is just all the rest of the. league and what's ironic in all this is Guess whose contract expires in June 2024? Mateo Alemani himself, they can't even give him a new deal. Exactly. And he's the guy who's supposed to make everything work. So a lot's being That's done on him. trust. Yeah, yeah. Uh.
1: But at least good news, Gab, yeah, because Spanish news agency FA reports that prosecutors in the Enriquez Negrera case, you know, the, the former vice president of the referee association, haven't found any evidence that those 7 million paid by Barca over three seasons to Negreira, was used to corrupt referees and influence games. So,
0: the source here is really important. Uh, for those who don't know, Efe is like the Reuters of Spain, right? And sometimes you quote reports in many countries, you know, i want to criticize my colleagues in the media, but they are, the clubs have been known to plant stories and yeah, whatever, one way or the other. You're not going to do that with Efe. Efe, if they say this, I, and I, I think it's accurate, that yeah. Because it's really hard you to trust prove. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, really difficult to prove that Enriquez Negreira took the money and started paying referees on behalf of, of, of Barcelona, right? Yeah. Um, and even if you just influence them, saying, like, okay, no, let's appoint this referee, not that referee, whatever, I'd still, it's very, very hairy to go and prove anything with that. Um, you're left with the fact that then... You're not corrupt, you're just stupid because you gave somebody seven million who did nothing for you except for spend it on a lavish lifestyle, according to other stories. Yeah. Um, this, this, this story is a stain, whichever way you do it. The good news is it looks like they're unlikely to face criminal yeah. prosecution, which I think is which actually is... probably fair enough when you think that if you know, they can't prove it and it was several. Um, so presidents they got scammed, basically. <laughs> they got stabbed by Enriquez Yeah, <laughs> That's another block yeah. on Mr. Bartomeu. Well done. Fabrizio Romano and others report that Barcelona are close to a verbal agreement to sign defender Inigo Martinez on a free transfer from Athletic Bilbao. Joseph, I feel like this story's been going on for, yeah, for a year, a year yeah. right? Can we just knock this out? Is this a good idea?
1: 32 it years is. old. Very good defender. But, very good defenders. Very good defender. But Do you is need it? another centre-back? Is, this, is say, this a priority? Is it really where you need to strengthen, considering how... Little room you have to strengthen your squads, or certainly whatnot. Right now, I'm not so sure you already have Kunde, even if you play him at right back more often than than a centre back. Arojo who we said is one of the best defenders in Europe already. You've got christensen who's having a really good season. You've got Marcos Alonso, who can play there, who's left-footed. By you the way, you
0: haven't mentioned Eric yet.
1: I don't want to mention him. <laughs> I Eric Garcia, okay. I'm all for. I, I love Inigo <laughs> Martinez and. <laughs> Although I've, I feel a bit sad for Athletic Bilbao if they don't get any money from someone who they clearly nurtured and went through the academics, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, he's, he's 32, he's given He's 32, them yeah, the, yeah. The and and to life. be fair, he arrived from another club before, too. So, but still, uh, yeah, I, this is not the position I would have strengthened if I no, was no. Matteo Alemanin. But I'm not Matteo <laughs> So, Italy face England in a Euro qualifier in a few hours' time on Thursday night, as we record this. And Roberto Mancini has called up Matteo Retegui and compare him to a young Batistuta. Is it a good idea to compare your young players to those of the past, especially great names? No, not when they're this young. And I think, yeah, so I he plays
0: center forward and he's got a lot of energy and physicality. I, what gets me about it again, I'm curious to see him. Obviously, he's. Got, I can't wait. I, he scored. He's, he's a Boca Juniors guy, but he's on loan at Tigre, where, you know, I think he's, he's averaging one goal every two games. It's fine. Um, what I wonder about is Who's the big, strong center-forward type on the Argentine national team? Oh, look, they don't have one, unless you want to get into, what, Dario Benedetto's story, <laughs> yeah, territory, stuff think, like sure. that, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, why did Scaloni not call this guy up? That's what makes me nervous. I'm not an expert on Argentine league yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. It makes me a little bit nervous about this. He's 23 now. It's not like he's 18, no, right? that's true. It's not like he's turned down Argentina in the past because of, no, I feel Italian because my, you know, my my. Even my, my said
1: that he was expected to say no to Italy because he wanted to play for Argentina.
0: I'd be annoyed if I scored that many goals in Argentina. I said, Yo, you I don't even get included in in, in, in any kind of marginal squad." So yeah. I don't know, but I am keeping an open mind about yeah, this. Yeah, it's worked course. out well with Camoranesi, so you know, yeah, maybe he'll bring a World Cup too. Yeah, Mister has retired from football. Jules, he's 34, only made a couple of appearances for Passaccio here this season. How do you see his legacy? This one's complicated, so take <laughs> yeah, your time.
1: yeah. I'll start, and then you tell me what you think. I think he's an incredible talent, one of the most gifted players that we've seen in recent years certainly I think in German history uh, at his peak and it's probably between 2010 and 2014 so the three years at Real Madrid then winning the World Cup with Germany maybe you could add one season or two with Arsenal at a time where it was difficult under Wenger Um, I just think that on his day he was the assist king he was the the creative king really I don't think we will see anytime soon Someone with that vision, with that passing quality, the perfect pass at the perfect time, with the perfect weight on the ball. Some of those passes, I think we stay in our mind forever. The goal that he scored, for example, against Ludo where his dummy sat down two defenders. Also, we stay in our minds, but still there's a feeling that he hasn't fulfilled all that potential. Mm. And in the end, I think that might stay with it too.
0: But yeah, I think I'll stay with him despite, obviously, the the, the titles he's won, including the, the big one. And he won the World Cup as a really important player. Yeah, yeah. Some people say, like, oh, he was born in the wrong era. The game passed him by because in the past he just would have been a pure number 10. He would have been, like, you know, European academy, Maybe to some degree, but let's not forget, when he was playing, for Germany especially, when they were really pressing the crap out of the opposition, you know, his numbers, he covered a lot of ground. Yeah, he worked yeah. really, he could really do hard. It. So, you see, I, I just feel... There's something more to him, and part of the reason, you know, this is somebody who spoke out. He spoke out about the the the, the Uyghurs when he was at yeah. Arsenal. He was not afraid to back down from that dispute with Arsenal. Whatever way you think right or wrong, he had that enormous contract, and clearly the wrong contract was given to him.
1: I, I have a lot of respect for him um, as a person, as well as as a player. Yeah. Roberto Martinez makes his debut as Portugal coach on Thursday in a few, a few hours' time, and Cristiano Ronaldo is in the squad to face Liechtenstein in Lisbon. If he plays, he will break the men's record for most international caps. Yeah, so he currently holds
0: the record jointly with uh, a guy I was not familiar with until uh, until Cristiano's uh, yeah. caps appearance record in the men's game became a thing, which a guy named Badr Al Mutawa. Uh, he's 36 years old. Um, he last played for Kuwait in twenty twenty two. I don't know if he's I haven't worked out if he's officially retired, but
1: Yeah, why did you he go up
0: to two hundred, that guy? Why did he stop at one nine seven? I don't know. He's still playing at club football, from what I can tell. So like why not just keep coming exactly. back? Just to keep driving Cristiano to keep needing more. Uh, it's funny; he's actually younger than Cristiano. So yeah. um, two years younger. Yeah, Cristiano is. But it's an years. interesting one. I, I will look. It's 197 games. It, w- it would be when you when, when he plays his next game, and I think he will. It's Liechtenstein and Luxembourg. I mean, yeah. come on now. But what I find fascinating is how different the records are in the women's game um for obvious reasons many reasons uh starting with the fact that the club game professional club game wasn't as established the women's record is 354 caps Wow. belongs to christine lilly she got 354 caps in 23 years playing how many games a year that is
1: what 15 16 games a
0: season that's crazy, isn't it? I,
1: team, like. But
0: I, I'm guessing, you know, look, I, I emphasize this to talk about, I think she won her first cap in 1987 or 89. You know, she played in the, the 90s and yeah. early 2000s mostly. Just where the women's game is today, then back then, you know, you've failed leagues in the US and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these women, all they could play is international football. Now we have much more... Of the structure. There's a lot yeah. more to be done and whatever. But, you know, I think people need to think about this stuff as much as they think about equal pay and things like that. Yeah. But think about the opportunities that many women in the world still do not have. Mm. Didier Duchamp has picked the next French captain to replace Hugo Lloris, and it's Kylian Mbappé, oh. which means Antoine Griezmann misses out. This- Jules, your thoughts, and tell me first these two really the only alternatives?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think Paul Pogba would have been the third one, had he been fit and had he been playing regularly the last year or so. Um, but because he's not, then there was no Varan anymore, who would have been the captain. No Lloris, of course, who was the captain. Conte injured, obviously. Yeah, but I even th- I'm not sure if Deschamps would have considered N'Golo just just for you know the personality and and everything and also the. Is injury. it
0: hard for for Didier Deschamps to imagine a short central defensive midfielder winning a World Cup? As a captain, yeah, no, a you're, captain. Right.
1: you're right. At least he would have relate to it. To be fair, um, there's two things here. The first one is you can't really. I, I think Mbappe is the right choice. And yeah, you can say, he, is he a bit selfish? Is he this, is he that? Maybe I think he will grow with the he will that will make him more mature, that will make him more collective minded in a way. He's, he's the best player in the world. He's your best player. Like, it's not oft, you don't always have your best player as your captain, but more often than not, they are. So it's completely understandable and it makes sense. Griezmann was really upset. Griezmann arrived in Paris on Monday thinking that he was going to be the captain because of his experience. Obviously, he's got three more years of international football than, than Kylian. He's obviously much older. He's turned 32 on Tuesday. Uh, he thought the bond he has with Deschamps was strong enough. The form that he's showing with Atletico Madrid is great. So I think he really believed that suddenly at the Euros, he would be, between now and the Euros, that he would be the captain and and lead the team. So I can see why he was upset. However, if you Griezmann, surely you get to Paris on Monday thinking, okay, I have a chance, but so has Kylian. And surely it it sounds like, and certainly from what, the way I was told the story by his side, Griezmann's side, was like, oh, he was just convinced it was gonna be him. You can't just expect something like this when Kylian Mbappe is also a contender, right? And I just think that Griezmann should have prepared himself, great if I have it and I want it, and I'd be disappointed if I don't have it, but also look who is against me in this race, And is Kylian Mbappé?
0: I I think a lot of it depends on the messaging that came to him from Duchamp before, right? Because, and, and the conventions that exist... In France and, and elsewhere. So, for example, in Italy, it's simple, right? In Italy, historically, it's... Ooh, who has the most caps on the team? Yeah. You, Bob? Okay, you're the captain, right? Yeah, and clubs so do
1: that. what well. Real Madrid does that. The many clubs do it player. that
0: way. Uh, I love what Chicha did with Brazil, where he says, like, nah, you're all leaders. Like, you guys will well, all rotate, rotate. right? Yeah. So then you take the sting out of it. I think the key thing with the captain is it can't be somebody that you drop, right? somebody who is at, at yeah. risk of getting Laze, drunk. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's where Griezmann's issue might be a little bit. And maybe if I wanted to give Deschamps an out, and, well, first of all, Deschamps should have messaged very clearly to Griezmann before. I have not decided yet. It could be you, it could be Killian, as you said, right? Yeah, yeah. And not made him think it was going to be him if that's what he did. So
1: I, just, we don't, I just, we don't know I just Griezmann assumed it was
0: going to be him. But I think... Objectively, I'm, I'm I'm thinking like Deschamps. He says, "Okay, I had Griezmann playing as a midfielder in the World Cup. He's not playing that role for Atletico Madrid. He's, he's, Griezmann's fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know who's going to be fit, who's not going to be fit. You know, maybe Choummin and Kamavinga are playing the football of their lives. Maybe Conte's back. Maybe Pogba's back. Maybe I want to play four midfielders. Whatever. Maybe there'll be no room in my lineup." For Griezmann. And I don't want to create a situation where my captain is somebody, oh, he's dropped the captain. Yeah. Um, I'm not prepared to build my team around him or have him be an in- integral part. It's different when it's a, a right back who always plays and who never goes in and out, right? But in that role, especially because his role with Atleti is, going, is different from the role that he played with France yeah, the yeah, World yeah. Cup, I, this is the only out I can give him. I also kind of feel that maybe what I would have done is I would have said, Griez, you're the captain through the Euros. You might not start. Being very, very, you're very important. You may not start. You may not start because I'm not comfortable playing that way for whatever reason. You are not guaranteed a spot. Are you okay with that? And if he's okay with it, then you go to Killian and say, "Hey, Killian, you can win." Maybe that would have been a way out.
1: I just think that even politically, I think Deschamps needs Killian on his side. Really close, uh, close ally more than Griezmann. Killian is 24 you've got it for another 10 years. And Griezmann is 32. I think he, the Euros is probably... Well, you think Kylian's going to Killian's be... Gonna be upset and
0: retire from the national team and go all Benzema No, no. Him? I just
1: think you can't, you can't lose Kylian in the sense by losing I mean, if you're Deschamps, you would rather upset Griezmann because Griezmann would come around. And by the way, Kylian and uh, Mbappé and Griezmann had a conversation. They kind of cleared the air, blah, 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 which was good. And it would be fine. But I think Griezmann would move on from a decision like this quicker than Mbappé would. And I think that was also a part of the, the thinking. Jose so Mourinho has a left ear on his Roma contract and wants a meeting with the club, club's owner to discuss an extension. Reportedly, Gabi wants wider ranging powers and become that kind of English style manager at
0: Roma. Yeah, so English style manager, I have that in quotes because it's what, it's what, this is the messaging yeah, from yeah, everybody the say, Oh, English style manager. Yeah. Can I just first come out and say like, the English style manager in top flight football, even here mm-hmm. in England, does not exist. There is no such thing, right? I'm trying to think. Maybe maybe Sean Dyche was that when he was at Burnley. Certainly not yeah, that at Everton. Yeah. Now maybe will be the idea of the Sir Alex Ferguson, Super powerful, Martin yeah. O'Neill, you know, like, oh, I do the tra- Harry Redknapp. I, I do, do the everything. It does not it does not exist. Yeah. Every club, you know, the English style, even in most clubs in the Championship, is I have a director of football recruitment yeah. guy, and you're the first team coach.
1: Even Manchester right? United now. Even Manchester United, so. yeah.
0: Um so to even use this language to me shows you're somehow stuck in the past. I'm not saying Mourinho used it, right? Uh I don't know what more powers he wants, given who Roma's director of football is, right? Thiago Pinto. Yeah, so- uh, <laughs> but the way I see it, and he says he wants a meeting with the Freakins, Roma's owners. Look, freakins are gonna do what the freakins are gonna do. For me, I would have said, Hey Jose. You have another year in your contract. You're the second highest paid manager in Sevilla, one of the top 10 highest paid managers in Europe. What's the rush? Let's see where we are yeah. at the end of the season. If there's Champions League or not. You've got another year, and then we can have a conversation about extending your deal, more power than you already have, and then if we have this more power, then you know maybe you'll explain to us some of the signings that were made, Sergio Oliveira, whatever, that didn't work out, and explaining also the signings that did work out, why you think they worked out and we're gonna treat you like a director of football. Yeah. Um until that happens, you know, no, we're not gonna talk new contract oh. now. Let's wait and see where you are. And you want know it's in Mourinho's interest too to not talk new contract, because if Mourinho goes and he wins the Europa League, if they finish a strong top four, which again, a lot's gonna depend on you of his point penalty, I he'll be he'll be in a stronger position, just a year left in yeah, his contract. Completely. Somebody else wants him, you only have to pay one year of compensation rather than multiple years, This yeah. is what would happen if he got a new deal. So, uh, yeah, I can understand why Mourinho's doing it. I, I also would expect the free kids to take a step back. Mm. Paul Mitchell is stepping away from his role at Monaco. Uh, like his CV includes Southampton, Spurs, Leipzig. Now, Mon- so it's, all the, it's all those clubs that, you know, we've praised in the past for yeah. the transfer dealings. I would expect clubs to be queuing up for him. Yeah, and I presume they right. are.
1: I think they are. Gab, I think a club like Liverpool, for example, is very are very very interested in Paul Mitchell as a sporting director to replace Michael Edwards and, and Julian Ward. I think he's a really bright guy. I think he's he's a. he would be a great asset to have for many clubs in terms of structuring your squads, making like he, he use that phrase for the Monaco job where, as you explained before, with Monaco it's a little bit different maybe than other clubs but the way he restructured that squad was very, very clever, very good very positive and I think if you maybe give him a bit more sort of leeway and maybe more money or maybe more possibilities, I think he can do an even better job than just go and sign young players that we get developed and then sold for, well, for more money so... What I like about him
0: is... You know, and he is highly respected and stuff, and obviously he was at Southampton with Pochettino before that, I think he was at MK Dons. I think he started out, like many do, as sort of like a a scout type guy. But he's had so many varied experiences. um, Because obviously, working in an environment like Leipzig and the Red Bull organization- Yeah, in the group, yeah. Is very different from what you were doing when you were at Spurs and it's different from what you were doing at Southampton and it's different from what you are doing in Monaco. So you're not getting somebody who's only kind of worked in one system and knows that system really well yeah, in right. terms of football operations. Um, I think... And he's ready for a top club, I think. Yeah, and are
1: right. And this
0: is the right time to leave yeah, as well yeah. because, you know, it gives time, it gives the club time to go and see if they can bring you in and then you can get to work immediately this summer. The only thing is he's got a year
1: left on his contract and I don't know if if some if a club that come want to come and get him has to pay compensation or no, not I don't really know if how he's resigning sporting director he can resign although he wants to get his successor ready and all that in place I don't think he wants to leave Monaco just like this so we we will have to see one of the three prosecutors in the criminal investigation against Juventus for false accounting has recused himself this is good news for you, FN? and you mentioned that story a, a, f- a few weeks ago. Well, I'm glad I don't
0: understand why it took him so long to excuse yeah, himself. Right. This is a guy named Chido Santoriello. So what he did, and look, it's not a good look, it was taken out of context. In speaking at some sort of legal conference he was at, he he explained a situation five or six years ago where he had a, in a different case, where he had a chance to prosecute juventus yeah and he said i'm a big napoli fan i'd love nothing more than to prosecute juventus because i, hate I don't like them,
1: them. Yeah.
0: but the evidence wasn't there so i didn't prosecute them um so if anything you know he i think he argued look it strengthens my case right i'm in the open right i showed in the past that i didn't prosecute them just to prosecute however once it is out there and it becomes a big media storm you should not be involved in this case Simple as. Um, And I don't think it's good news or bad news. I think the other two guys who've been working with him are still there. Um, Their job is to collect the evidence and make the case, and then it's going to be a court that decides. And by the way, this is not a sporting investigation. This is a criminal investigation. So these are real courts, real judges, real people. Um, There's no reason for him to be involved at this stage. Jose Luis Mendilibar is the new Sevilla manager, replacing our buddy Jorge Sampaoli, who himself took over from Julian Lopetegui back in October, I think it was. Jules, they're two points above relegation. Does this move
1: the needle? I think they needed a change, to be fair, I think, and we saw the Acuna incident the other day when he was given a a piece of paper during a game with, I suspect, like, tactical information on it and didn't even read it. I think the <laughs> fracture between Sampaoli and the dressing room, the players who've had enough, was too big. They had to make a change. Bar is one of the most experienced managers in, in La Liga. I think he's, he's been on, on, on A-team in La Liga, uh, on the bench of a team from La Liga in almost 500 games or something like that, just below. So he's got that experience and I think he's been in this position before. So maybe for that sense, just to keep them up is the right guy. They also have obviously a quarterfinal of the Europa League to play against Manchester United. It's not going to be easy. So the name might not be your familiar name, for example, for the listeners of the show. It's not one of the biggest names either. But I think he's been in this situation before. He knows how to deal with it. Maybe. I I don't want to dumb
0: this down, but you know, there are vision coaches. There's project coaches. And there's... But is that what you need now? Though no, I, well. It could have been Sampaoli in October if it had worked. Yeah. His project didn't work. He fell out with everybody. He, he, he acted erratically, like, yeah. as we've seen him do yeah, in the He's past the before. Time. So we didn't get good Sampaoli. So no, I think they're right, they're right to, to move on. I don't think Mendili Badr is going to screw anything up. He's yeah. going to play the percentages, keep them up, and then the club will figure out what they want to do in the summer. Exactly.
1: Roy Hodgson is back, baby, at the age of 75. That's right, 75. He's the man chosen chosen to take over from Patrick Vera, And coming back, to Crystal Palace. Are you surprised? Surely you must be. Come on. Us. So I think I've known Roy
0: for I don't I don't want to date myself. No, but wait, forty it is, years, you can say. No, it's not 40 years. I'm not that old. But uh I've known <laughs> he is. <laughs> but
1: he is, yes.
0: He made his he made his debut in 1976.
1: There's se- seven current primary managers were not born. When, you were what? not born when hoyson when <laughs> started at homstads in uh yeah
0: look i he's a he's a phenomenal story in the sense that you know this is a guy who's who's english who's very the Croydon, roy very southeast yeah. london and yet you know was not a good footballer ended up going to south africa going, going to various places you know got his job in sweden in 1976 at Hamstads, you know, started winning, started having success comes back, way back in 1982. He comes back to England. People are like, who are you? We've never heard of you. You were not a good footballer. You must be a rubbish manager and didn't do well. Bristol City, I think it was. Then goes off again, ends up coaching uh, Switzerland, ends up co- coaching Inter Milan to a UEFA yeah. Cup final. Comes back to Blackburn again, like, I think a season or something. And they're like, well, who is this guy? Like, oh, he doesn't know the league. Like, <laughs> and Roy's more English than you are. And I love the fact that many years after that, he got to be England manager. I love the fact because, you know, here's a guy who is legit English, and just to show the mentality of English football back then, what Roy had to deal with, because he wasn't a good player, because he had spent all this time abroad, people viewed him with suspicion, like he was some kind of weirdo. I think it was almost worse for Roy, to be honest, than it was for a foreign manager coming over here. He had to overcome a ton of prejudice. All of this is forgotten now, right? This is really important. And then he goes to Fulham and... You know, again, everybody's sceptical. He brought some Norwegian dude. He brought Brady Hangeland with him. Yeah. Like, people said, like, you know, what, what, what that. And then with Fulham, he takes them to, a Europa, to another Europa League final. Tremendous achievement. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. He's made mistakes because he's not... I don't think he is God's gift to coaching. Liverpool fans don't like him. No. Um, wasn't good there. Obviously, with England, I think he had three really bad campaigns. Some people said, oh, dude, but look at this and that. Like, no, no. no you... You, you generally stunk it up, and Iceland—the Iceland, Iceland game—is just kind of the, you know yeah. <laughs> the cherry on top. But then he goes back again, and with Palace playing not very nice football, keeps him up. I think that's what they want from him now: safe pair of hands
1: while well, they plan on the future. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to diss him. I like the person he is. I this doesn't make any sense. He doesn't.
0: You would have continued with Patrick McCarthy, hundred percent, or maybe the actor Andrew McCarthy. I, I, don't Senator
1: I You cite sc- Patrick Vieira to replace him with Roy Hudson. I don't <laughs> understand.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm hoping there's a long term pan in the offing. I don't know, but that's, you know, that's the world of Steve Parrish, no. so who knows?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, let's talk about something happier here. Fulleran Balogun is reportedly oh. on holiday in Florida, very close very to the U.S. men's national team camp. Yeah. Joes He's eligible to play for Nigeria, yeah. for England and for the United States because he was born in the city. New York City, obviously. Uh, he's played for the US and most recently for England at level. He's played a lot at Under-21 actually uh, for yeah. England.
1: Any clues
0: as to what's going through his mind? Oh, and he's an Arsenal player. In case he's an Arsenal
1: player on loan to Hans. He was called up by England Under-21. I think he was very disappointed not to be called up by Gareth Hardgate and I think he has a point. It's not. It's not an issue with Ivan Tony or Harry Kane, but I don't see why you can't include them. I think. I think England would be especially crazy if 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 England miss out on Flo Balogun as an international player, i.e., he chooses the U.S. or Nigeria. I think this would be terrible from an England point of view because he's got the potential to be one of the best strikers in the world in the next few years. I think he's that talented. But he's not done it in the Premier League. So, so like, But why don't you take him in this squad and he comes to St. George's Park and he trains with you. You don't have to play him. You can play him. But unless you haven't watched him play and I wouldn't Put him He's played more than a guys. dozen
0: times at, for England under 21, so I'm assuming they already have a, a handle.
1: I, I I just don't understand why he was not called up. I no. really don't. I, I I agree with you, especially with the way this
0: training camp has worked out, where with Rashard pulling out, right? Yeah. So for these two games, and you can say I, I don't know, it's Italy, and then I I forget who you playing next. U- Ukraine, right? So these are probably the two toughest teams in the group, right? Yeah. So you you have. I I, I hate having a go at Southgate because I really like him, but I can't help myself, right? So your attackers, okay, are Harry Kane, who you know has gone through the trauma of losing his coach or whatever, right? Yeah. You got Ivan Toney, the betting man, right? Yeah. Um, Who has yet to be capped. We like him, but whatever. For the wide positions, with Rashford going out, Rashford who could also fill, fill in for you up front, right? Yeah. You have Grealish, Foden, Bukayo Saka, great players, those are three people, and then you have Madison, yeah. right? Madison, who, as far as I know, hasn't played winger for England or done so re- uh, no. reliably, right? Uh, what are you doing?
1: What? what you like going.
0: seriously, like would it have killed you to bring another dude along no. to, to 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 give it a different look? Who else is going to play Like, God forbid, Saka and Grealish bump heads. And what you got Foden on one we're going to play Ivan Tony on the other wing we going to change the system to something you haven't played before I, I don't understand this at all
1: No no You left I'm Callum
0: Wilson it. at I'm home as well another forward like and, and Sterling maybe understandable Sterling I think is on, yeah. isn't fully fit but I, it seems so odd that you wouldn't call a Balogun if this yeah. is really what's if this is really what's behind it and I'll tell you what if you're Balogun you look around and you say he's a center I'm a center forward right yeah. I am a center forward I have a chance to play for the U.S. men's national team, who I know will definitely be qualifying for the next World Cup, unlike England. Why are, they they're not calling it, him, right? Why are they not calling him? Up? I think... I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would assume from the U.S. perspective, it could be that nobody's in charge there right now because they don't have a national team coach or a permanent right, national okay. team coach, yeah, and they don't have a permanent general manager because that position they're going to need to point that first before they make a decision for me it's a no brainer you have a conversation maybe they've had it and it's not out yet conversation with them and say like hey uh, come play yeah. with us come play with us because at the last world cup you know we had the Muppet show at center forward right I, I don't want to have a go at these people you know but I, if your competition is, is, is who, who is the U.S. center forward in 2020 but PFOC there's a
1: guy Ferreira uh, who are these right. guys yeah the tall what? guy Dyke those kind of... The, yeah. I, those. I mean, surely you're in but the mix. Again, I, I whereas if you're Balogun th- with
0: England, you know Harry Kane's going to be there in two years' time. Yeah,
1: but I would say for the US, exactly what I said to for England, you'd be crazy not to jump on Flo Balogun's talent right now to the US and do everything you can to convince him to choose you. And maybe you're right. Maybe they have had that conversation already. <clears throat> but but also maybe they haven't and and same for nigeria if not i mean nigeria is different because they seem to have this incredible pool of young center forward coming through and and ozy men etc and you know the gift obviously that keeps on giving plus others are, okay maybe for them it's slightly different but for the usa and for england as well don't let him don't let him choose somebody else it's as simple as that Lazio have been a supporter for an anti-Semitic shirt at the Rome derby. Gab, what did you make of it? So I am encouraged that after a lot of words, Lazio do seem to be
0: taking this stuff more seriously. They they have. This is a complicated story, right? And people don't like complicated stories. But obviously there are there is a portion of the Lazio ultras which has very far-right, racist, anti-Semitic yeah. views. Uh, I should point out these are the same Lazio ultras who hate the Lazio president, Claudio Lotito, uh, for different reasons. And there's a continuous dispute between them. Um, they're finally acting. He's not acting against one of the ultras. He's acting against... I don't know where they found this guy. This is, he seems like an absolute moron. Yeah. This is a German guy. He wore a Lazio shirt to the game. And on the back, it said, Hitlerson with the number 88, which, you know, has some far-right implications. Um, I I, I think this person needs help. Uh, He should not be going anywhere near a stadium. And they threw the book at him and they banned him. But again, I don't know if this guy is some tourist who says, ha-ha, wouldn't it be funny if I show up at the Rome derby dressed like this and he goes back to Germany and lives his life. But at least you made a statement. They also reported, and this is a crime in Italy, uh, it's a crime to do the so-called Roman salute, which looks a lot harks back to ancient rome but was it then later adopted by the fascists looks like the heil hitler salute it's what paolo di canio did on the pitch years yeah. ago so they're they're investigating um and i think they've charged two fans with doing it although again they're not lazio ultras they're two romanian dudes again i don't yeah. know who they are <laughs> uh, they could be are, are is there such a thing as far right tourism to Lazio games i don't know yeah you I, go and you think you get away with it because i think look it's better than what they were doing before which was something close to nothing I will be more impressed when they take a stand... On their own people. On their own... Yeah. Oh, and I know, again, if Lotito were here, he'd start shouting at me and saying like, oh, I have to go around with an armed guard because the Ultras are trying to kill me. I hate the Ultras, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's fine. Just prosecute them. Yeah. Use the tools at your disposal when they do stuff like this. right? Don't just tell me how much you hate them because they're trying to kill you. All right, just ah, It would be a better look. But look, something's better than nothing. That, very true. Jules, I didn't think I'd have to bring up Dele Ali on the show again, but apparently I do. Uh, he's at Besiktas and he's in trouble. Or more accurately, he's not at Besiktas.
1: Well, no, they don't know where he is. That's what they said. The manager came out yesterday saying, like, I gave him a few days off and he went and he hasn't come back. We don't know where he is. We can't get in touch with him. Uh, His loan from Everton to Beşiktaş has been a disaster, let's be honest. He has hardly played, and when he's played, he hasn't been good. He scored three goals, but he hasn't been really good at all. It's not the move that we thought could revive, or some thought could maybe revive his career, blah, 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 all of that. Not the case, now he's in trouble with his club. And funnily enough, Kim Kardashian put a video on her social media of Dele Alli at her house, turning up and taking photos with the kids and stuff like that. So this is where he was. (laughs) Wow, really? Yeah. I, I so, always thought you'd want to keep Dele Ali away from him. Clearly not. So the curse of Kim Kardashian clearly seeing the Dele Alli's uh, <laughs> career path that. is very much still on, Gav. More seriously, uh, now this matter, La Liga has reported uh, racist insults against Vinicius Junior during the Classico at the Camp Nou. Uh, this, yeah, racist insults,
0: of course not coming from an opposing player, but coming from the fans that yeah. the protocols in Spain. Then the police have to go investigate it. This is the eighth time this That's season crazy. that they've done it. You know what? I say, keep it up, Liga. Continue doing this. They, let's be very clear, right? Because people are like, oh, racism! Why don't the, the, the league investigate it? If this were the NFL, it's not the NFL, right? La Liga, here you have a league and you have a federation, and you have law enforcement, right? The NFL, they can make up their own rules, right? You have a commissioner who's basically God, who makes $49 million a year and says, I don't like you, Jules. You're banned. And he doesn't have to explain it to anybody. He's free to do that, right? There, Javier Tebas has a lot of power over certain things. The federation has certain powers over other things. There's a division of power. So all La Liga can do is continue reporting this, continue shining a spotlight on this, and hope that these people are identified and dealt with and make sure that it continues to be followed up on. What I would love to see is, every time they go and report this, they say, not just tell us it's the eighth time, these are the seven cases beforehand, and look, we send emails on these days about what's happening, how did these cases get resolved, did they get resolved one way or the other, keep reminding us, because I think this is the only way you're going to affect change, unless you start giving La Liga more power, which isn't gonna happen. The French women's national team have a new coach. I'm kind of surprised they went for Wendy Renard's dad, Herve. (laughs) No, he's not really his dad, is he? He's not his
1: dad. No relation. It's not done yet completely. Ave Renard, as you know, he's still the Saudi Arabia men's national team head coach. He needs to get out of that contract.
0: Let's give people, for those of us who don't follow African football... Tell us who he is and why he is such a cult figure and why he's such a highly rated manager.
1: He won two AFCON with two different countries. He's clearly very good at uh, managing national teams in general. Remember what Saudi Arabia did at the World Cup by beating Argentina in the opening game? It's not just that. He also, like, he's got the long hair. He looks like an extra from Miami Vice. He wears, like,
0: white shirts. He wears a tight white shirt. Sometimes with a sport coat. Seriously, like... No,
1: he's cool. He's cool. He is cool. <laughs> he is cool. And I think he he was very impressive apparently in his interview with the French FA. He really wants the job. And I think he would get it. just needs to be the, It would take a bit of time.
0: I'm curious. Given the success he's had in, in African football, and let's say football outside of Europe, he is highly regarded. Yeah. But the dude's French. I think he used to play for Sochaux, if I'm not mistaken, whatever. What? what is it... The, have Ligue 1 teams? Are they not been impressed with him? Or there's
1: nobody? No, he had a, he had a short stint in Ligue 1. He went for a few. jobs, I think he just prefers national. I think he prefers international football. Really, so he has more time to work on his ads yeah on his tan. Yeah, his, his time. time. exactly. The clock is ticking. But sorry, but so he's is.
0: never worked with women before. He's never worked in
1: women's football. I don't football. think so. Okay. No, don't think so. The clock is ticking on Adrien Rabiot's contract with Juventus. He's a free agent in June, and now he's been linked to Liverpool. Gab, would this make sense?
0: I don't think it would make sense because he's 28 years old, because a free agent signing of a 28-year-old with Rabiot's baggage, I think, is not what Liverpool need. Um, I have to say about Rabiot. I've made fun of him as much as anybody because I think he's been a dud for most of his career. Hasn't lived up to yeah. uh, to his potential. Um, you know, there's been issues. His mom uh, at Paris Saint-Germain, as you know well, or what, like they spent six months without playing. Before that, he was in Manchester City. Similar, you know, That's been the story. However, over the past 12 months, he's been an absolute beast. Yeah, I thought he had this very, very good World Cup. Uh, he's been arguably his arguably, best, best player yeah. this season. Um, you're getting a guy where it seems like everything's come together. His technical ability, which he always had, his athletic ability. Uh, he's been more humble. So if you think he's turned the corner and he's motivated, maybe he feels the clock is ticking. question is, has he left all this baggage behind? I then I think he will stay at Juventus. I think they'll extend his day. I think he wants to stay at Juventus. I'm not, what's not clear to me is, if you're Juventus, how much can you offer him? Because he's on a yeah. big way. He's on a big salary already. He probably deserves a raise based on the season, but you know, they're not a great place oh, yeah, financially. Yeah, yeah. International break means Women's Champions League. We had 4-1 nil oh. wins. Uh Jules, you follow this? I don't, so please contextualize for me. Bayern beat Arsenal at yeah. home, which I think is a little bit of a surprise. Yes?
1: yeah it is yeah. it is they 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 wrote the luck a little bit i thought uh they scored and arsenal were unlucky not to score themselves it was a quite heroic defensive performance from bayern in the second half but again next week at the emirates will be would be the second leg would be even better for it now chelsea went away from home and they beat Olympique lyonnais yeah, big win very good first half for MHA's players they they took the lead. They could have maybe scored two. They hit the post. Lauren James, uh, and then in the second half, Lyon were better as you would expect. They improved, but it was just still not good enough to get a, a draw. Uh,
0: Barcelona went and they beat Roma one nil away in front of the biggest ever crowd to watch uh, yeah. a women's game in Italy, close to forty thousand at the Stadio Olimpico, which it I think was is incredible is, to see. Yeah. Great. I'm guessing the fact that Barcelona only won one nil means that this is. Was fine
1: performance from Roma. Yeah, it was defensively again because as we, it was the game that we expected really. Did Mourinho take over the women? So I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist right now. Can't (laughs) can't compete with Barcelona, but still, it's it's a good showing. I expect Barca to win easily the second leg. Uh, you know back home but it was good it was good and it was good that all those game was tight because the PSG Wolfsburg game at the Pas des Princes was really tight as well Wolfsburg won that 1-0 against again, 10
0: men well, not against 10 men against 10 women 10 players
1: yeah uh, red card there was a penalty there was a couple of VAR calls as well which again will make the second leg interesting because I think PSG like Lyon or like Chelsea PSG can go to Wolfsburg and get something so it'd be quite fascinating next week if you fancy watching it the Premier League have asked referees to allow players observing Ramadan uh, which has just Began to be allowed to take on food and water when they break their fast, even if it's during games. I suspect you're happy with this. You're okay with this 100%. And just just to be
0: clear, it's not like, oh, look. The sun is set. Let's stop everything and go have a burger. Uh, the way it's being done is kind of organically during national natural breaks in play. Yeah. You know, we often see players going, going over to, water. To, exactly. to, to the sidelines, getting a sip of water or whatever. If you're going to do that, take an energy bar. Yeah, I think this is logical. They're... It's not going to disrupt. It's the happened game. before. It's being inclusive. It's happened before, but I think without the official yeah, exactly. kind you're of right. license right. for it, yeah. I don't even think people are are going to notice. Um, Whether a player or not fast during Ramadan is obviously a, a very personal choice. Some players do, some players don't. Some players are more affected than others. All of that to be taken into account, but yeah. have the option. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer from, from the Premier League. Well done. Emmanuel Adebayor has uh, made it to Arsenal <laughs> Legends retiring in 24 hours. Jules, again, put him in context for us. And by the way, I love the fact, for those who lost track of him, I didn't have his career. He's made his money. What does he do? He goes back home to Togo and he plays for a club called Samassi yeah. or whatever. Doesn't need to do that.
1: He no. Yeah. Fascinating character, really on and off the pitch. I think really talented for his physique. This story, a bit lanky, I give you that, but still highly technical with with a sense of goal when he wanted to. It was a lot when he wanted to with money, really. Uh, again, the... the sort of potential, the fulfilling potential that we talked about, Ozil, I think he's still there. I think he could have had a much better career than he had if he really wanted to because I think he had incredible potential. Still good, obviously, at Arsenal, especially one really good season or even half of the season, at As City, at Spurs, he went to Real Madrid. Still, some people are wondering how, but he still did and played for them uh, with an unlikely number still, but, but regardless. Um, and I- off the field unpredictable i think that would be the right way of of i think putting him
0: i remember uh, i have my own I have your story uh, many 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 years ago uh, a friend of mine who is an agent he took a player to monaco uh an italian player named joseph O'Shatigan who since kind of disappeared but uh i mean this is a long long time ago and so he invited me along oh you know watch training let's let's, let's hang out so we're watching the first team train, and nearby uh, on a pitch, or I think the first team, maybe they weren't even training, maybe they were just doing drills. But there was like a mini pitch, and where the the uh, the younger players were training. And there's this guy who's like, I mean, he looks like a skyscraper, towering over the yeah. kids, and like you know the ball sticks to his feet he was he was part Ibra but then he was so strong and had a physicality and that was Adebayor and like they're saying oh yeah this kid they're so excited for him here you know and uh, I don't know if that was was that his first club or well obviously not but or, yeah he was, was at met before but then yeah he was um and I remember seeing that like wow like I wonder what's
1: gonna happen I this know. guy and then he had I quite know. a career Adebayor who slept who has, has pajamas had his own shirt like he was wearing a sh- his own, one, of his, one of his shirts with his name in the back and his number. would wear it's it to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> which I've always found. We took the Eurostar a few times together for international break. Well, you know, we used to go at the same time often. And I knew his agent at the time really well. And, uh, and yeah, he told me this story just so randomly saying that yeah, he has his pyjamas is one of his uh, club shirts. Does he then wear, like, the shorts as no, well? No, I don't and know. He, he only mentioned he go, the shirt. Maybe he's naked easy? underneath. I don't know. Yeah. all right. Oh. Yeah, uh. Zatan Ibrahimovic talking about tall strikers. I said that he hopes to play at Euro 2024. I bet you're not surprised. And It would be a record, by the way, if he was to feature that uh,
0: his age. I'd be surprised if he said,
1: I don't want Euro 2024.
0: Until the dude decides to, re- to retire. Um, which there's no sign of that yet. No. Um, then, of course, he wants to play Euro 2024. 20, Why not? Cristiano Ronaldo reckons that the Saudi league in five, six, or seven years could yeah. be the fourth,
1: fifth, or sixth best league in the world. Yeah. Jules, no, 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 no. Verdictive. Definitely not. I think he would need more than more time than that. If if ever he gets there. To be fair, uh, fourth fourth is probably what you would say. Germany, fifth is Ligue 1 Six is every divise potential Portugal maybe. There's no yeah, way the Saudi uh, League in five years, six or even seven years can be at the level of okay. those can, leagues. Can we just take a step back here? It's not like Cristiano Ronaldo said.
0: I did a scientific study and looked at market trends and whatever. He's being there. He's being a gracious guest. The Saudis are paying yeah. him a lot of money, and yeah, he says something nice. It's,
1: it's good. Say it or not. differently, then. What's supposed to say? Those... No, I think you guys are rubbish and sad. And... No, but you say yeah, he's progressing, he's improving. <laughs> Don't give me numbers and like comparisons and like stuff like that. It's not, it's not on. The new episode of Ted Lasso is out on Apple TV, and uh, and many Chelsea fans are angry about this. It's the whole new season, if you want the third season. Gap, what's going on? Why are they unhappy?
0: All right, so there's a storyline in there where, there's a, as you know, there's a character named Roy Kent who, yeah. in the storyline, used to play for Chelsea, and they go back and they play against Chelsea, and there's a banner up that says they don't make them like Roy anymore. That banner, turns out, is a banner that Chelsea fans put up in honour of Ray Wilkins yeah. when, he, when he passed away, Ray Wilkins, of course. Yeah,
1: it's a banner that is there I Stand for Bridge all the time.
0: Yeah, and, you know... Ray Wilkins is a very important figure, obviously. I don't know if he started his career there, but he he certainly played there, uh, then went on uh, Manchester United, Milan, and then was there for many years as an assistant coach, to Ancelotti and and others. Um, So the Chelsea Supporters Trust have come out and said, look, we've seen this edit, it's disrespectful, Uh, we've expressed our disappointment to the club, Um, we want Chelsea to address this. Todd Bowley then replies, saying he had nothing to do with these arrangements that... You know, the deal with Apple was struck in, I love the way how these private equity guys talk. Q1, 22. that's quarter. Cool yeah. <laughs> um, we're sorry it affected so many and mostly we care about Ray and his family. Um, fair enough. It was somebody else who did it, uh, whether Abramovich, Bruce Buck, Marina, whatever. Uh, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this, especially no. towards somebody who passed. Exactly. You know, it's, right. it's, it's 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 frankly silly. You yeah. Know? Uh, so good for Bolly to clear that up. Although I don't understand. Apparently afterwards he said also point out that none of the uh, quote unquote Chelsea players were actual Chelsea players. Who, yeah, who cares? Who would actually believe that? Like, like, like,
1: <laughs> no. It's well, a TV I, show, right? Yeah, what? Joel Felix and Kai Havertz didn't actually play <laughs> in Ted Lasso against a team of actors. Right, uh, all right, Joel, that brings us to an end, but we got to come back
0: on Monday. Oh, yes. Internationals, Euro yeah. 2024. Get a load of that. until then. Love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.